0: Welcome to another episode of No Small Jobs. Uh, I'm your host, Paul Newen. and thanks for joining us again. Uh, today, we have a very interesting and unique guest, but before we get into that, uh, just remember that if you like what you've been hearing, please make sure you subscribe wherever you get good po- podcasts. Uh, rate and review, five stars, please. Nothing but five stars. If you've got any criticisms, I'm happy to listen, but, uh, you know, keep it constructive and kind, yeah? We try to need more kindness in the world. Um... Make sure you listen to our other podcasts. We've uh, we've got a hypnotherapist, we've got a dentist, we've got occupational therapist, all kinds of different things. And we've got some good ones coming up as well that you will sure to want to tune into. Um, But tonight we have Jade. Jade is a librarian and online presence specialist. Hi, Jade.
1: Hey, Paul. Thank you for having me.
0: Mm, Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. So, librarian. How did you get to become a librarian?
1: actually something i always wanted to be i mean coming out of high school you know when you're choosing your career and everyone's like oh you got to be this you got to do that you got to make more money and you're just looking at the world like oh god (laughs) 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 i remember thinking back i'm like well the one person who really helped me throughout all of my schooling was my school librarians Mm -hmm. and they always seemed so knowledgeable they knew everything and I wanted to know everything as well, so I thought that would be a good career choice. But um, yeah, believe it or not, I decided to become a graphic designer after go after <laughs> high school instead.
0: Okay, <laughs> well, tell, tell us about that turnaround.
1: Yeah, well, I've had a, I've always had a creative flair, and I thought graphic designer, or actually. It, First started is um, I wanted to work for Pixar Animation, really specific. Oh, yes. <laughs> High ambitions. It's yes, good. That's I good. wanted to work for Pixar, but then I sort of settled for graphic designer because I wasn't as confident in my animation skills, but I knew I could design business cards and posters and anything that anybody needed, sort of paper-based, which is what a lot of the design work was when I first went into the industry. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I did that instead. And... I am glad I did, though, because becoming a librarian in the last few years, I've actually managed to use so much of that skill set, that graphic design skill set, than I thought I would. So, yeah.
0: In what way did you manage to marry those two passions together?
1: I have specialised, I guess, um, in libraries, in online communication, so social media and helping libraries to do content management schedules and figuring out that sort of thing, which really allows me to create social media graphics I guess for those libraries and um, anything else that they need so it gives me that creative edge I guess which I'm finding not a lot of people believe that they have I've been actually I've been doing workshops lately to teach other librarians how to design good promotional material using a software that I love called Canva and there's such a demand for it. I, it just never struck me as something that other people would want to know or this knowledge that I have. So, I uh, yeah, I'm I'm sharing the love when it comes to that. I'm sharing it with libraries. I'm sharing with the li- librarians. <laughs>
0: and, and so, when you when you sort of you know found this role where you could marry the two together, did you deliberately seek that out, or was it just by chance you happened to find something like that?
1: Oh, it was definitely by chance. I mean, I. I personally had no idea how graphic designer could marry with librarian. But when I was doing my university pracs, a lot of the libraries were like, oh, so what projects would you, mini projects would you be interested in doing for the library while you're here? And the first thing that popped into my head was like, well, I used to be a graphic designer and everyone's eyes lit up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Everyone loves a good multi-hyphenate. So that yeah. probably makes sense.
1: Yeah, the- just lit up and all of a sudden I was redesigning the storytime booklet and I was redesigning the all their event posters for the next three months and all of this sort of stuff I'm like oh okay so people like that skill set I'll keep that in mind for when I'm actually applying for jobs in libraries and it has served me well so yeah <laughs> and
0: so sorry did you specifically seek out a job that had that or did you incorporate that as as you said you you found a way to incorporate that in through, through like being present
1: yeah it's I didn't really at first I didn't really sort of seek out library jobs um, where that was a thing. I wa- I originally thought that I wanted to go into digital preservation. What's that? Oh
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jane's getting very excited for those who can't see her. She's rubbing her hands with glee.
1: Okay, digital preservation is the art of looking after. All of the information that we have and not only that, but preserving the um, the formats that they come in. So we have in museums and in libraries tons of things that are still in like VHS and on DVDs that are deteriorating rapidly or in uh, oh I can't remember the name now. Laserdiscs. Yes, MDs. Yes. <laughs> Laser discs. Also, Oh all my those god, our very eighties. <laughs> all those things. But of course, the information on them is still relevant. So finding a way where we can still read the information and access it, that's part of digital preservation. And so a lot, of, a lot of the unis and a lot of the museums and a lot of the larger libraries have really huge digital preservation sort of programs going on.
0: And so is the idea simply just to convert it into a like, current format or do you actually do more with the content?
1: And we do more with the content. It's... Um, Not just a matter of digitization, but it's also a matter of keeping it sort of in its original context Mm -hmm. as well. And that's where we get creative with finding, you know, computers that are 25 years old that actually still run and we can put the floppy disk in and (laughs) it will work and things like that.
0: So, what are you spending time in junkyards and and people's and hoarders' houses going? Do you have an 80s computer? Really? You don't want to read a floppy
1: disk. Oh, I swear half the time. Yeah, probably. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) oh, God, I feel so sorry. My digital preservation friends don't kill me, please. I'm not.
0: It's all right. They they should be thankful. All of a sudden they've you've opened up the whole a whole new audience to the idea of digital preservation.
1: Yeah, there well it's quite an interesting concept because we're creating more information than we can store essentially every single day now. I mean, how how are we going to access information that we create today in twenty years because we know technology is going to be moving forward in that time? I mean, are we still going to have the same sort of working phones that we have now? I mean all that mm. sort of stuff. It's really it's really fascinating.
0: Mm. Okay. And so, again, how did you discover that?
1: I discovered that through an archives unit that I did in my library degree. And I thought it was – honestly, I didn't think archives was going to interest me at all because my degree covered not only librarianship but um, corporate information management, which includes records management and archives. And I thought, nah, nah, I'm just going into libraries. I really don't need these other two, but it's part of my degree, so I'll have to do it. Mm. But it was really fascinating like, just in an archive, the, 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 the way that you store information and the way that you organise information, the way that you find it, again, to make it accessible, is completely different from what they do as a records manager and what we do as librarians. And then, again, as museum curators, It's we're all sort of in the same type of information management field, but we all do it really differently. And so coming across this archives unit and then realizing oh yeah hey that that's a question how do we keep accessing this information because i mean the book format that's been around a while and that's pretty easy to access the information in a book again but all these digital technologies that we are developing it's a bit harder to Mm. sort of keep on top of all of that yeah okay
0: so what is this is a silly question what is the official Title of your degree? You have a bachelor's <laughs> in what?
1: Yeah, a bachelor of arts in librarianship and corporate information management.
0: Ah, I see. Yeah, so it I
1: sounds can... fancy, but it's basically I can be a librarian, records manager, or an archivist.
0: Fair enough. I mean, all degrees sound fancy, really. Yeah. <laughs> like my degree is bachelor of medicine and surgery. I don't do surgery. Like it's just it's just there. it Just I just happen to come across it and I get it. Oh, I get. Oh, a credit did for you it. did
1: you have to do like a surgery prac or anything like? That? Oh, like
0: yeah, sort of. Like it's not part. <laughs> of the exam, but you do li- you do get exposed to it. But it's not like in my medical school years, I'm going around sticking my hands in people's bodies <laughs> and starting to operate on stuff. Like I'm still just I'm just watching. Um, you know, even in my surgical term during my internship, it's you're largely a paperwork monkey. Like that's that's all you're really there for. Yeah, it's
1: not nearly as glamorous as I was imagining. No, no, it never <laughs> is. Everyone
0: has to start at the bottom somewhere. There's always someone has to be paid to do the grunt work. Very so true, They just give yes. you a degree for it, give you a title, and then they'll say, "Cool, now go fill out these discharge summaries." Yay! <laughs> Office work for a few hours. Yep. Um, so what, what made you, as I said, you've always aspired to be a librarian. That was mm. your dream job. But then you went and did graphic design. So what made you pivot? Like what, after you did the graphic design degree, what happened then?
1: To be honest, it wasn't as creative as I thought graphic design would be. I went and worked for a couple of agencies and it was just, oh, we've designed things this way and our client likes it. And this is this is how um, this is how we're going to continue doing it. So there wasn't much room to do the creativity that I was thinking I was going to get. And I, well, I fell pregnant and I had my son in two thousand and twelve. And I realized at that point in time I had the time and the brain space to actually go back and study. So I thought, oh, I gave graphic design a good seven years. Let's. Try librarianship now, <laughs>
0: right? So obviously, you know the, the 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 sort of the departure from graphic design was born from dissatisfaction. I guess a little bit. Was yeah. It, was it hard to give all that up, or to sort of? Did, did you ever feel like that time was lost?
1: No, because, well one, I have found uses for it in librarianship, and two, I've also had my own business. And my the first iteration of my business was to well I was a freelance graphic designer, mm-hmm. so I'm um, I wasn't doing the big fancy design work that I was in the agencies, mm-hmm. but you know I was helping out friends with their business cards and redesigning stickers for my friends' businesses and stuff like that. It was it was enough to have like a little side income, mm-hmm. and enough to will keep my creativity alive much more than it was working for the agencies. <laughs> mm, fair enough.
0: Because I guess it's, it's very different um, following instructions of a boss rather than being able to let your creative sort of juices mm. flow, I guess.
1: Yeah. And I didn't mind so much following the instructions, but it was, I think it was more that there wasn't any chance to provide feedback or maybe a new idea or some way we could do things differently. Uh And I've found since that experience, I've really appreciated any workplace that does actually listen to new ideas and will try something different every now and then.
0: I mean, it is surprising within within. I guess, as such a creative space as graphic design, you'd imagine that ideas should be welcome, right? Yes. Uh, I mean, did you did you know many other people who had a similar experience to you, where they felt quite constrained?
1: Yes, a lot of my um. So a lot of the my oh, what's the word I want? Oh, a lot of my friends. Um, <laughs> 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 it's like I don't know that word. <laughs>
0: You're having a good day, Kate. Very good day. It's
1: Monday. You asked me here on a Monday. I'm blaming (laughs) it on that. (laughs) So a lot of my graphic design friends actually ended up going freelance as well because they weren't finding as much satisfaction as they thought they would in the industry. Mm. So I'm I'm hoping that the industry has moved forward since then and it's a lot more open to actually ideas as opposed to doing things in the same process over and over again. Mm. I mean, I know if you find a good... Find a way that something works, and it works. Most people stick to it, but come Mm. on, it's graphic design. You're supposed to be creative. (laughs) Exactly.
0: The point is to stand out. If you want to stand out, how do you do that by doing the exact same thing every time? Exactly. Yes, I get that. (laughs) I get that. Um, So, so on that, so so I know I know we're going a bit chronologically backwards, uh, but as you said, so you originally aspired to be a librarian, but then you went into graphic design. So, what was the reason for that again?
1: It was. I, I didn't want to. I wanted money, mm. and I wasn't confident enough in my animation skills to aim for Pixar Studios. And I had a look at Pixar Studios' sort of recruitment process, and that was quite intimidating. I mean, I'd just come out of high school, and I was looking at working at Pixar, and I'm just like, oh no, I I can't. Do this. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I settled for graphic design instead, and. It worked. It gave me, it gave me a skill set that I have been able to use or utilize since. So oh, I think it may have been a waste of time, but I choose to make it work.
0: <laughs> I mean, there is, there is um, something to be said for the, the, the adventure of learning. You know, not oh, necessarily – I, I think I think we undervalue sometimes the um, – I guess the beauty in developing skills that don't necessarily have – they can't necessarily be monetized. Yes. Because um, that, that's important as well. Don't get me wrong. I am Asian. I'm very much <laughs> about the utilization of <laughs> skills and trying to make things as practical as possible. But there are sometimes skills that y- you can appreciate just fine for having. So I guess with graphic design, yes, you've managed to monetize a little bit, but I guess it doesn't seem to be the core of your being or your income, I oh, guess.
1: Oh no. I mean, I get so, I have so much fun just creating photo manipulation artworks for myself that don't even see the light of day. I don't put them up online anywhere. They're just on my computer, pretty images that I know I've made, and that's that's like a relaxation for me. I put on the heavy metal, I just open up Photoshop and Go make a photo manipulation. It's great.
0: <laughs> what is a photo manipulation? I feel I feel really dumb <laughs> in this. I guess this is the point. I'm learning about all new industries. What is a photo manipulation?
1: It's um oh in in picture books, So you see those really fantastical sort of fantasy um, looking images as woods everywhere, fairies. Oh. It's there's sun shining and and you look like it. It looks like it should be an illustration, but more often than not, it's probably. Parts of other photos blended blended together to um, make this single image, mm. and so that's that's what I like doing. I, I particularly enjoy doing this with uh, space images because you know we don't know nearly enough about space. So I can create anything I want with all these different space constellation images that I've got on my computer at home, nice. <laughs> and I can be like, I've just created a new planet. Mm. That's Jade's planet. <laughs> I found it. I shall name it Jade.
0: <laughs> Why not? All, all the all the astronomers seem to be giving them boring names anyway. So Jade's planet is far more creative. Oh,
1: exactly. Yeah, and yeah, that's a photo manipulation is basically an image made up of all these other different images blended together, so it literally just looks like the one image. Mm-hmm. I once created a photo manipulation that had something like twenty. No. 121 different elements in it and I forgot to use my layers tab in Photoshop so it was just oh god it was an absolute mess trying to find what layer I was working on I'm usually a very organized graphic designer but yeah in that one I just got so excited I was like oh I've got this idea I got I just gotta get it out of my head and put it on the computer screen and then I realized I can't find any different layer because I haven't named my layers in a meaningful way and I don't have any folders to organize them in like background, foreground or anything. So yeah, I'm usually very organized, but that was just an absolute madness.
0: <laughs> I, I feel like that's a very graphic designer unique dilemma that I, I, I don't think I can relate to, <laughs> but I appreciate the, uh, the enthusiasm. Uh, so what, are, what kind of jobs are you working at the moment? I understand you have a few.
1: Yes, I do. So I work uh, at Melbourne Museum as a public information officer and I work at Trinity College as a librarian and I also work uh, for myself. I'm a small small business owner and I have my business called Miss Coco the Librarian and I help people, well I help libraries and librarians make themselves look good online. So I've dubbed myself an online presence specialist.
0: Fair enough. Which
1: is a job title no one else has in Australia.
0: <laughs> and and really, you know, this is this seems to be the pattern of things that we it's 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 about you know, especially from what you've said to me, it's about creating the jobs rather than waiting for the jobs to appear, waiting for someone to be inspired by it to mm. um be available i guess and and or make yourself available to uh, make your skills available to people and oh for sure yeah and and again everyone loves a good multi-talented person because it's cheaper to hire one person than two different people two (laughs) separate (laughs) skills cost efficiency
1: that is true but yeah uh, for for my business though i sort of saw a need and then i was like well i have that skill set i have that experience i have that knowledge I will rebrand my freelance graphic design business into an online presence specialist who will help you look good online for your career progression, will help you figure out what you need to put on LinkedIn because nobody knows what to <laughs> you know, how to effectively use LinkedIn. Mm. And I will help your library come up with a content management strategy and a social media uh, content schedule.
0: And so how do you, how does that, your, your knowledge of marketing also marry in with you? How do you, sorry, how do you use your, your knowledge as a librarian to feed into that?
1: I, it's a matter of just letting people know what they can do. Because a lot of libraries still, they, they don't understand like the digital outreach or just being being visible online so that other people can find you and then connect with you and then learn how amazing your library is. Mm-hmm. They, A lot of libraries don't get that that's a way to bring people to you that a digital visitor is just as important as somebody who walks through your library doors. Mm-hmm. And so getting them to not only understand that but then, you know, initiate some projects where they start an Instagram account or they... Uh, start a Facebook page is it's challenging but it's also really rewarding because then they get all excited when they're like oh people are visiting our (laughs) page and at the end of the day it turns out to you know be not only rewarding for them but good for business as well because the more eyes you have on your library or your organisation, it's always better for business. Mm. Mm.
0: Or, you know, uh, bef- before this we recorded this podcast, Jade schooled me on Instagram because <laughs> I am ancient and disconnected from the world. Uh, and, yeah, so I got a bit of free advice and it turned out to be quite helpful and a bit of statistics so I can, I can see the value in it for sure. Oh,
1: well, thank you. Thank you for that.
0: <laughs> so um, tell me more about your role at the Melbourne Museum.
1: Uh, As a public information officer, I help people to find answers to whatever query they have, mostly either through answering it ourselves within our team or we connect them with uh, collection managers or curators uh, within our museum who have that specific knowledge. So take uh, today, for example, I had someone come in who is a filmmaker and he's really passionate about freshwater sharks and he wanted to know if there was anybody else in the museum who may know about freshwater sharks and whether two certain species had a common ancestor and all this sort of really good research science type of stuff. And he, he was really passionate and he's he wants to be a science communicator and I'm like, oh, I'm so on board with that. Mm. And so we... We went through his needs, I put it into our database at work and then shoot off an email to the person who I thought would be the best to meet his needs and now that curator will get in touch with the filmmaker and hopefully have a, a happy association.
0: <laughs> and so do the are these services free, like available to anyone or is it, is it a paid service?
1: No, it's available to anyone. So, we not only connect people with information that they may need, but we also do um, identifications as well. So, if you find some insect or spider in your house and you don't know what it is, uh, we can take it. Um, don't expect it back alive, though. <laughs> <because> <laughs> it won't be.
0: But they may rather not want it in their house. Yeah. <laughs> like, just take it. I don't care.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, we can ID things. And um, we also do sort of things throughout the school holidays and um like all the museum always has school holiday activities but then uh, our team specifically also has its own school holiday program well, not a program but we do we do fun things and we bring out the lizards and the snakes so that people can pet them occasionally and stuff like that
0: <laughs> and your job actually takes you on a various site visits and trips as well doesn't it
1: Yes, but it's it's not directly related to my job. It's something else that I found out at the museum or that the museum does. And I was like, I want to be on board with that because it can inform my work at the end of the day. And so these things that I found out about were dinosaur digs.
0: Oh, (laughs) tell us more about that.
1: So there's a group called Dinosaur Dreaming. Uh, and they're associated with the museum. And every year we either go to Inverloch or the Otways. And we find dinosaurs from the Cretaceous era, which are here in Victoria, mm-hmm. hidden away in rock layers, where we have to get, you know, chainsaws <laughs> and jackhammers to get the rock out. Awesome. Get the rock out. And then oh, on a dig, it's basically, yeah, we get the get the fossil rich layer of rock out of the ground. And then the rest of us volunteers spend a week, two weeks, three weeks, depending however long we want to stay with the dig. We spend our days sitting on the beach smashing rocks with cold chisels and hammers to find the fossils hidden within it it's the most glorious thing ever <laughs>
0: from a curiosity perspective or from a rage perspective like damn <laughs> these dinosaurs where are you
1: well you see the the dig i think of as me time every year because it's it is it's like all the frustrations that have come across throughout the year i can just it out on this rock and oh my god I found a (laughs) fossil and no it's good fun I mean they're doing amazing research and I'm really grateful that I did find the dinosaur dreaming group because not only do I have like this amazing dinosaur knowledge in my head now that most people don't probably don't know I mean actually tell me what name or tell me what dinosaurs you know the name of
0: I know the Brontosaurus. <laughs> no, I'm well aware that one doesn't exist. Uh, Tyrannosaurus.
1: Yeah. Do you know any Australian dinosaurs, though?
0: Nope. Nope. Mm. Nope.
1: See, yeah. Well, we have Minmi, and she is amazing and gorgeous and so cute. It's like a a a, a little little tank. Actually, she looks like a little tank. It's so amazing. And we have Australovenator, and he's he's basically our Australian Velociraptor. He's amazing huge dinosaur and he you know how you see velociraptors in the movies with those giant sort of hook nails yeah yeah he has two like on his hands and they're even longer than the ones in the movies it's glorious oh. and then of course we have uh savannasaurus who was recently named well, i say recently but it was Couple of years ago now, but yeah, she's um, one of those theropod dinosaurs, the really, really long neck ones. Ah. And she was discovered uh, up in Winton, uh, in Queensland, and yeah one one of my favourite people, one of my favourite palaeontology people who work at the museum, sort of worked on her and discovering her and naming her and doing all the research. So excited for him <laughs> when I saw his research paper come out. I'm like, I know. So yeah i as yeah i have a lot of dinosaur knowledge now and a lot of australian dinosaur knowledge which is good because every as you so clearly illustrated everyone knows tyrannosaurus rex but Indeed. nobody knows any dinosaurs from their own homeland there you go
0: <laughs> and i th- that i guess that leads me to my next question which is are there any other moments that in your in your working career that have i guess um, Sort of fortified your 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 desire to move into this field. I mean, obviously, discovering the dinosaurs big moment. Yeah. Um, anything else that you found was really profound?
1: Well, I think working in a digital space has always interested me. I've, whether it's in social media or digital outreach or digital communication or whether it's in actually managing and creating the databases for all of this information so people can actually use it in their research and stuff like that. I've always had that interest, just working in a digital space. And I think there's two guys that I met, two programmers that I met um, when I did an internship at the Australian Parliamentary Library in Canberra, who really sort of solidified that for me. It was back in 2015, and so you know I was kind of halfway through my degree sort of figuring out what part of librarianship I wanted to specialize in if there was anything that really caught my eye and these two programmers they were working on um, they're working on the parliamentary handbook and this handbook is something that's created by the Australian Parliament as a big old book nice and thick every single year and it's got all the senators and members in it and a bit of their biographies and information and stuff like that but it's always been a book which yeah that's great but to make it into a database like what they were working on at that time um which you can well then you could like do searches within it and create um relationship links between different parts of information or different bits of information which is really hard to sort of do in a book if you're reading page after page after <laughs> page because then you have to remember it all but uh, a search function makes it so much easier to make those sort of connections. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, just watching them work and listening to them, I was just like, you know what, that's 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 it. Being able to connect people with the information they need but in a digital space and be able to help them c- kind of come to those eureka moments because they've just found some connection between that senator and this senator, which nobody has actually put together before because, you know, the information was in a damn book Mm -hmm. (laughs) and yeah so those two guys really sort of informed that i wanted to work in the digital space when it came to libraries and museums as well archives records management galleries actually we have an acronym for ourselves We we call ourselves glamour Galleries, libraries, archives, museums, and records management.
0: Ooh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Creative, I like yeah. it.
1: So I think, of, I think of sort of that, or all of us, as the same sort of industry, really. Okay. And Yeah. They, they, those two programmers helped me realize, yep, digital space is where I want to be.
0: I guess so on that, is there something you aspire to be beyond this? Like is there more to your career that you want to do?
1: Oh, yes. That's a question. Yes, there is. Okay, so I'm currently teaching myself programming because it's been on my to-do list like forever and ever and ever. And I've only got a bachelor's degree and everybody else who works in information management that I know has a master's or is currently working on a PhD. And so I'm looking at master's. I'm like, oh, a master's in digital humanities. Yeah, I think that's where I want to go. What is that? okay digital humanities is basically the study of humanities but through digital means Mm -hmm. so have you seen like all those uh news stories where all of a sudden they're showing you data and data visualizations of um um school statistics or something like that
0: i'll be honest i bury my heart my head in the sand <laughs> when it comes to the news because it's too sad but yeah. i do understand graphs <laughs> so and vi- and visualization they're always yeah. very appealing so okay i get
1: that a lot, a lot of the sort of news outlets are starting to do kind of that sort of thing as, and bringing data into their news stories and then visualizing that data mm-hmm. and yeah that's Okay, sorry. I, I've, <laughs> I've just gone on a tangent of remembering all of the data visualizations that I've seen. I'm like, I want to know how to do that and that one yeah, and that this, one. This is excellent content for a podcast. You're just staring, <laughs> 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 yeah, no, I'm just dreamily
0: staring into nothing. <laughs> um,
1: Where was I going with that? Please remind me. We were, we were talking
0: about digital humanities <laughs> oh, and yeah. where that was going to lead you to. Yes.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, digital humanities. That's that's. Um, I think that would be a good sort of, melding of this programming that i want to do and then of course um you know uh, bringing information to people in a different way essentially it's bringing data specifically which i mean you give you give somebody a spreadsheet of data and their eyes glaze over yes. so if i can help people understand the data but in you know a new shiny colorful way hell yeah I'm all on board for that.
0: (laughs) I didn't even realise that was a specialty in and of itself. I mean, again, you see visualisations, I I get that, and and Mm. depictions of of information, but I didn't know you could do an entire master's all about it.
1: Yeah, so it's relatively new. I've only, probably in the last four years, actually really sort of seen um, digital humanities as something that you can study. Mm. which is great.
0: And is there a plan to juggle that with everything else as well or will, will something have to give?
1: Hmm. I'm not sure. I'll have to think about that because I'm very, very good at taking on board everything at once. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and look, that is a skill in and of itself, but yeah. uh, like one of the... Um, you know, one of our earlier guests uh, called the ambulance officer. So he became a hypnotherapist. Uh, you know, mid midway through his career, uh, and for him, you know, he was juggling three kids, and his wife had to go back to work full time while he was training. He even started his own school. I mean, these are these are big steps to take. Mm. You know, they're 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 not they're not small undertakings. Yeah, and so. You know, being able to balance all all your commitments is difficult. You know, mm. I don't, I know I'm certainly trying to figure that out myself, trying to make sure I have space for me and my own mental health, as well as, of course, my earning an income for my to pay for all my various luxuries and and you know, I pay for my family and all that stuff. Like it's all, I sound like I bought my family, <laughs> <And they're> like <laughs> you know, being the sole breadwinner kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, I, I always I guess I always get curious because I'm also in the midst of a bit of a career change. And so mm. how do you I mean, how do you factor all that in? How do you decide whether the um, whether the energy into changing your career is worth the expenditure, whether it be time or money or, or energy?
1: Mm. The going back to study for me, that's probably a two to three year goal, because at the moment, i've I've never stuck like with the one career for very long let me put it this way so I got my graphic design diploma I did graphic design for a bit and then discovered it wasn't for me so I went back to school and became a librarian I just graduated my librarianship degree last year and I'm only working part-time in libraries but I'm working now to grow my own business so I I sort of get a degree and then move on to the next next thing straight away (laughs) (laughs) Which does keep things interesting but the way that i see it it means that i'm always going always going to be learning and i don't think you know staying stagnant is actually normal for mm. me so yeah it, it will it will come in time and but
0: uh, you know um it is the norm now. Now it is the norm to change. This is the third time, and I know this is the third time I've mentioned this statistic. Um, mm-hmm. The average amount of time an Australian will spend in one job is only three years. Mm-hmm. And so by that calculation, I think it, you, a person will change their job, not necessarily their career per se, but they'll change mm-hmm. their job about 15 times in their lifetimes. That's a lot. And for me, that's always been a really foreign concept. Um, you know, going, Growing up, um, I was the son of, I'm the son of two doctors, um, and medicine is a very linear path. You know, yep. you you go, you get your grades, you go to med school, intern, resident, and then you complete your specialty training, whichever one it ends up being. Um, and and that's it. Like it's it, there's no real room for diversity. There's no mm. real idea that you could take that degree and do something else with it. Whereas that's sec- that's exactly what you've done. Yeah. You took your degree and decided I'm not going to do the linear path, or or I don't know, maybe perhaps there isn't a linear path, and I'm going to take it and do something. Wild or do something that no one had ever heard of before, or doing a job that I didn't know existed growing up. Yeah,
1: I I am essentially doing that. I've made my own job, and I have clients who I help day in and day out. I have people who I provide career coaching for, and I help them develop their own careers. It's, I never thought I would do that. I mean, Mm. back in high school, I was a librarian or work at Pixar. So yeah, you you are right. It's it's um you you have to make your own sort of work because not only does the market sort of it caters more towards the gig economy now, it's very hard to find the permanent position or well, in the arts especially. It's very hard to find the permanent position. It's very hard to get like be happy to work in a job for five to seven years because even if you're working in that same job for five to seven years, your job um, responsibilities are probably going to change and be completely different by the time seven years comes around because libraries are constantly evolving. We're always trying to sort of keep up with what people want and what people expect. And these days, instead of very focused on research and quiet spaces to study, we're like community hubs. Mm -hmm. So there's always the need to actually change your skill or not so much change your skill set, but keep learning so that you can keep on top of things.
0: And it's fascinating. So in uh, in our previous podcast, I spoke to a primary school teacher and we were talking exactly about this, I think it was really after the podcast, the idea that um, teachers of this generation are quite... Possibly teaching children how to do jobs that will no longer exist by the time mm-hmm. they grow up, and um, we sort of we came up with the idea that what we really should be teaching our kids is not what to think, but how to think and how to process information in order to, I guess be be open to evolution in order yeah. to be open to new knowledge. Yeah, and that's tricky. It's a, it's a tricky thing to teach a child how to process information.
1: Yeah, because it's it's a skill that you gain with experience. I mean you can you can show somebody the process of how to do that but they still need to get the experience and you don't always have the opportunity to do that within a school environment mm-hmm. I don't think it's mm-hmm. um yeah it's like it's a life experience which is unfortunate because it would be nice if that's something we could like just teach them in school and then they get it and then they're set for the rest of their life <laughs> But no, it's it's a great thought because yeah, there are so many jobs now that aren't going to be there
0: mm. by the
1: time that they reach the job market or job market age. So yeah,
0: I mean, we so with the, talking about you know the linear path with both graphic design and being a librarian, is there a linear path? Like, is there some some endpoint that you, if the, you're expected to go to, or that exists that you're meant to work towards?
1: No. I don't think so. That may be a reflection of how I've looked at the industry.
0: Sure.
1: (laughs) But um, no, I don't think so. Okay. So we've got certain types of libraries. There's like a school library, academic library, government library, public libraries. Um, There's another one, special libraries. And within each of those type of libraries, they serve different clients or different people. And so – the people that you serve very much uh dictates the type of skill sets that you develop i mean somebody in an academic library is probably going to be an absolute whiz at like um open resources and database management and scholarly communication and that sort of thing but somebody who works in a school library is going to be an absolute whiz in um oh being able to recommend a book to a student if they come in and like i just finished this book it was amazing can you Show me something similar to it, and they're going to be absolutely amazing at connecting with uh, students. And they're going to be absolutely, anyway, each different type of library, there's a different type of skill set, which doesn't always translate to the other libraries as well. So, even in that, I mean, people specialize and then they stick with that for their whole lives, and they don't get a chance to explore the rest of the libraries. I've been really fortunate. I've actually worked in each different type of library already and I can see that if you're working in an academic library, you become a librarian and that's it. Mm-hmm. You, you you may sort of become a senior librarian or a liaison librarian, but you're still a librarian. There's You just go up and pay grades. There's not actually like <laughs> extra extra stuff that you do you're still doing like the core work of helping people to find the information they need and connecting them with the resources that they need to do their work essentially Mm -hmm. so yeah i don't think that there is a linear path in librarianship it's very much what you make it and do you anticipate
0: in your career sort of looking to the future do you ever anticipate that you'll find just the single career and stop or you feel you will be constantly changing
1: i think i'll be changing I mean, now that I'm a little bit older and wiser, I do like the idea of sort of working for a museum or a library like for project work. If they're if they're coming up with um, a new digital portal for some research that they just got a grant for and they need a way to deliver it to the public, then yeah, I'll help. I'll jump on board with that sort of project and help them deliver that outcome and make make it look good and help people to sort of search the information just that that type of project work in all these different museums and libraries really appeals to me now just got to find the projects (laughs) true
0: and I guess uh, to, f- to finish up, is there anything that you would like, say if we have any aspiring librarians out there, is there any piece of advice that you would want them to know in a way in something that you would have wanted to know
1: earlier on in your career? Yes. Um, make connections. Talk with other librarians. Um, it can, When you're studying, You it's very easy to sort of get in a study bubble but you want to reach out and go to industry events and actually talk to people who are already working in the industry because they can tell you where the trends are going, um, what they think you should be looking at if you want to be a particular sort of librarian. So get out there and actually talk to people. It's great that you're studying and that you're getting that knowledge, but you also need to talk to people.
0: (laughs) Brilliant. All right. So uh, Jade, is there anything you'd like to plug before we finish up?
1: Oh, yes. So... Um, yeah if you are ever in the city come visit Melbourne Museum it's a great place but for me personally my uh, business is Miss Coco the Librarian if you happen to need any help making yourself look good online or if you need a social media audit or if you need somebody to help you figure out how to create content I am an absolute whiz at video content I have my own YouTube channel um, Miss Coco the Librarian please look me up
0: Brilliant! And speaking of socials, actually, sorry. Thank you, Miss Coco, <laughs> for coming onto the show. Uh, speaking of socials, we are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Not very well. Uh, maybe we need to need to enlist the, the help of uh, Yeah, of well.
1: Uh, wouldn't mind doing that (laughs) (laughs) um
0: but yes find us on no small jobs pod that uh, twitter handle that's the facebook page and that's the instagram handle there is oh you
1: also have soundcloud too i was uh, listening to that on the train home today oh there we go i always forget (laughs) about
0: that i always forget that soundcloud is a social thank you um helping me already is brilliant i haven't paid you a cent uh, I've also got the website no dot com dot Check it out. There are reflections and uh, follow up questions, and uh, you know it's a little, we're trying to. I want to create a little community of uh, curious people. <laughs> um, so plenty of content there to be had. Uh, check us out, and please make sure to listen to future podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, leave any comments. Leave any compliments. If you want to be a guest, we are always looking for guests. You got interesting people that you might even know who you can rope in and embarrass them. No, and to to show off their wares, please uh please send us a message. Oh, on I've got
1: five was- five names to send to oh. you after this. All right. Well, <laughs> yes, they can
0: be willing names or otherwise. I'll hand them. Uh, but yes, uh, thanks for listening. And as always, uh, there are no small jobs, only jobs you haven't discovered yet.